Yeah, yeah. Well, that was a horrible that question. Was, that was terrible. Yeah. There we go. Hey, everybody. It's Rob National Fire Radio. We're here in the studio tonight with Chief Thode from the city of Bridgeport. Sorry, I'm just looking at your hair and it's so magnificent. <laughs> this is the worst intro you've ever done, so let's start over. I am very envious. What, the hair? Yeah. Very impressive. Is it bad tonight? No, but the idea that you can even run your fingers through it yeah. is pretty impressive. Does it Tucker look, and I, like, you know. Oh, well, you know, I, I, I'm getting... <laughs> you ready? I'm going back forward, and I'm not... I told my wife, I said, I can't wait like 10, 15 years when I'm, you know, bald, and I bet I have a couple... I'm going to have the worst... You're going to have a good comb. I knew I was in British. trouble when I had the five head. You know, instead yeah. of a forehead, you got the five head. That's... Cool. All right, we'll do this again. That's funny you say that. My, my and it started. My daughter's called <laughs> so. Panic of the Disco. Yeah. And the guy, Brendan Yuri, the lead singer, has a seven head. He's got this <laughs> massive forehead on him. But anyway. All right. Thank you, Rob. Better. Hey, everybody. It's Rob from National Fire Radio here in the studio tonight. Jeremy, Tucker, and our guest, Chief Richard Thode from the uh, City of Bridgeport Fire Department. In Connecticut. And, yes, in Connecticut. Bridgeport, Connecticut. Bridgeport, Connecticut. Yes. Thank you, Rob. You're welcome. Thank you. Get away, Jeremy. <laughs> Hey guys, um, Chief, thank you. Thanks for Thanks joining for us. This Thanks is, uh, it's an honor to have you here to make the trip down from Bridgeport to our studio in New Jersey is not the easiest of rides. Um, so I thank you for taking time out of your schedule to join us, but I'm, uh, I'm humbled to have you here and we're excited because we, a little backstory, got to spend uh, pretty much a whole afternoon with you in yeah, the city fun. of Bridgeport yep. um, and rode around and went, uh, went to almost every single firehouse in the city. Yeah. And got to meet a ton of guys on the job that day. Um, there were no jobs that day. No. Plenty of runs, but no <laughs> fires. Uh, but on a side note, the next day, I get two text messages from Chief Thode. Says you were a day early, and then sends me two fires they had that day. That is so, true. So thank you, Chief, for rubbing that. <laughs> but I, I have to thank you for joining us. And um, one other backstory before we get into your story. Um, how this all came about and this friendship that's developing here and, and this brotherhood that we share... Um, was several, several months ago, our Instagram was going bananas one night. <laughs> and I'm scrolling through, and you have to understand, now I might have told you the story, but I want to share the story with everybody. You have to understand, we get now like 10 to 20 messages a day from people all over the place. And some messages are fantastic. Most messages are fantastic and great messages. And people are saying, you know, hey, Jeremy, this, we want to do that, ba-ba-ba, come see us, come visit us. So we get a lot of, then I get a lot of like, you know, these cryptic ones that you could just tell kind of like a little weird, a little shady, you know, I'm like, all right, man, like I got it. I'm like, hey, thank you so much. Kind of like just the, you know, I have a collection of fire trucks in my basement. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Come look at them with my yeah. Q siren. Yeah, like, exactly. And so, you know, you, when you, when you get that many messages, you're weeding through them and it's just hard sometimes to go through them. So we, we put a post up one night and it, it got a lot of response. And I'm thumbing through, and I'm getting all these, like, invites. Like, hey, we'd love for you to come to our department, this and that. Then I get one from this guy, and it says, like, if you guys ever want to come to Bridgeport, I know the chief pretty well. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. I hope one day we can get to Bridgeport. That'd be great. <laughs> right? That's true. Okay. That's true. So 10 minutes later, I get a text message from Rob. Rob goes, hey, idiot. <laughs> that was Chief Thode. He's the chief of Bridgeport. And I go, what? And he like, goes, look back. The chief of department. Yeah, chief of you department. Guys call right, it yeah, chief of department. Like, and I go, I go, what? And he goes, look back. And so I scroll back up and I look. And then he's like, look at his picture. And the picture is him. 
Get the Ameri- American flag yeah. with the, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. the white hat with the scrambled eggs on the print. So I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, he's a real waxer, like a little smacker, you know? And then he's like, no, you idiot. And I look at the picture and I go, oh, my God. Oh, and I sent you a screenshot. Uh, of a website or something, right? Oh, yeah. Because like, I wouldn't believe him. I'm like, there's no way. City of Bridgeport Fire Chief. And it's like, boom. <laughs> and there's no way. I'm like, oh, my God, I just blew off the chief. So then I, I send you a message back. I go, chief. I'm an idiot, you know, and then like got into it. Yeah, no, we had a good laugh. You, a good laugh. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it was fun. And, and so thank you, but um, yeah, but then Jeremy got put in prison later on. Well, we'll him. talk about yeah. that. We'll talk about that. That is true. That's, yeah. uh, Highlights of the trip for me: meeting Lieutenant Kevin Higgins. I mean, and then well, meeting him, but then seeing his uh, unit citation that Ten's got on the wall for dealing yes. with him for twenty yes. years. So anyway, we'll get into that a little bit later. Well, let's talk about that. So, you know, the culture, right? Let's talk about yourself, where you came from, how you got into where you are, how long you've been doing this now, Chief. Go ahead, man. I've been in Bridgeport for 31. It'll be 32 years this summer. Nice. Uh, I was in a small career department in Ridgefield, Connecticut. Yeah. A couple years before that, and a buddy of mine, who uh, John McNichol, who's currently a battalion chief in our city, said, you know, hey, Richie, come on, let's take the test down at Bridgeport. And I just moved from Long Island to Connecticut. I had no idea. And so you're I, a Long Island kid. I am. I am. I was, I was born and raised in Port Washington. Oh, okay. In Flower yeah. Hill O's company. Oh. Shout out to Company 3. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and uh, so I, we had moved to Connecticut. My, my father got transferred, and that's how we ended up there. And uh, I said, where's Bridgeport? And we went down. We got a case of beer and a scanner, and we drove down on a Saturday night and caught a couple jobs. And I said, oh, yeah, this yeah. is where I want to go work. And that was in '85, yeah, so nice. so we went down there, and, and then '87 they hired. Uh, at the time we were 550 on the job, and they, they hired probably 150 of us in, in a year. So one year 150. Yeah, of, yeah, wow, yeah. Wow, three classes of 50. Class. So and you had 550 guys online. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're 300 now. And you're 300 now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So extra and, companies back then too. Uh, we've lost probably. Four engines, two trucks, and we were running six-man engines or six-man trucks back then, and we're not anymore. What are you four and four? Four, now? four and four, and the rescue's five. Okay. And then the battalions are uh, the chief and the chief's aide. Yeah, which I, I love, and I love cities that run a chief's aide, and I think that's a whole. Oh other yeah, thing. yeah. I I, yeah. I talk to people all the time about the the role of the chief's aide. Yeah. And and you know if you want to get into that later, but as, yes. as, especially as for the volunteer departments, you know the, the minute a guy turns fifty five, they, they give him a reflective coat and a bright orange flashlight and say go direct traffic, and yeah. I think that they're missing the boat on the chief's aide role. I love that. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, if you I want to get that. more into that, we'll talk about that. Yeah, of course. So thirty one years going on thirty two. Um, talk about your pedigree, the companies you were in, where, how, you know, I mean, obviously, case of beer and a scanner to go down and buff some calls, right? You catch a bunch of fires in one night, you have that mentality, right? You want to yeah. go to so, a place that's busy. Yeah, and, and we, they, uh, they ran double engine companies. We had uh, 1952 American LaFrance hose wagons, gas jobs, wooden roofs, and I was like, this is cool, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so we went down, and uh, I was lucky enough to score well enough on a test, and 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 got hired. And I was really lucky in the fact that uh, we do this rotation in the beginning. You know, we go to all the houses, and I got done with my rotation, and I got assigned to what we used to call the squad, which is now the rescue. And I was a firefighter hanging on the back. There was only three guys back then. Uh, within eight months nine months yeah okay and i ended up there and the driver left and i was 22 23 years old and they said okay you're the full-time driver and a kid that i came on with who's now currently a captain about to be an assistant chief got put in the back 
and we had a you know 45 50 year old officer and it was the two of us running around and we were doing that was the year or maybe a year or two after we were in firehouses being the ninth 50s heavy rescue in the country we were doing about four thousand runs so we were a just a lot of work oh yeah, yeah tons of work tons yeah. of work more work than i ever ever thought i would go to ever and then we would have rookies because we were still hiring rookies so scott would get detailed off and we'd have a kid I say kid, I'm 23 at the time. A <laughs> Season, kid. Though. And Season if the 20. lieutenant was off, I was the, the acting lieutenant. Scott, who was like the time was about 25, would be driving, and we'd have a kid in the back. That's wild. How, how did the department do that back then? Now, I mean, obviously yeah. they did it, but like, were, were there anybody, was there anybody to come forward to you and be like, listen, you're going to be put in this spot? No. Did you get any mentorship at all, or is it just like, no, hey, it's, good luck? No, it's your, by contract, you're the senior guy in the company, and we don't care if you have six months or six years. It's just the way it works. Okay. And and we're actually kind of running into that now, and, and you know, we've talked about time on the job and experience, right. and, and the issue that you run into is, you know, we were young kids, we'd make mistakes, but we could literally come back to work in a couple of days and be like okay well remember you know the other night i got burned doing that so tonight i'm not going to do it right. and now we run into these new guys that learn lessons but you know it could be months before they yeah. get to do it again yeah so that's and the consequences <laughs> tend to be a little bit more severe now too absolutely absolutely you know i mean there, there wasn't as much i don't know if oversight's the right word but you know guys really learned on the job now oh, yeah. learning on the job entails a whole nother type of absolutely absolutely demeanor yeah you, yeah. Will, yeah. you know yep. and so then that, i think that's an interesting topic to hit on too down the road is just the difference between you know letting you know letting people it's like your kid let your kid fall down and bleed yeah let them get punched in the eye one time in their life in a, in well a, in, in, in a and i was fortunate i had a lot of good uh chief officers right. tony petroselli rocky vacola that didn't you know, shut me down. Didn't say, you know, shut up, kid. This is this is how we do it here. You know, they were like, wow, this kid's got some good That's ideas, it. some good, you know, and it caused a riff with some of the old, with some of the medium guys, the lieutenants and the captains. But uh, and you know, it really worked out very, very well. So we were on the road. And I think that's again a testament to you. I mean, you know, and we talk about that today. We talk about, you know, don't give up. You know, put a good foot forward and and be yourself and you know, work hard and, you know, good work and hard work pays off. Guys recognize that, right? When you're in a oh, company absolutely. for the right reasons and you're there for the company and you're there for the job, the older guys will recognize that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and but, you know, it comes down to, to walking the walk. You know, it, it's, yeah. uh, you know, I, I always used to tell guys as I got older, you know, don't mistake uh, enthusiasm for competence. Right. You know, just because you got a guy that has, you know, a lot of classes or a lot of patches on his shoulder, doesn't mean when when you know it's time to go down the hallway that he's going to be the guy, right. you know. And, and the quiet guy that maybe he is a carpenter on his days off, he's 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 the guy that's going to go down the hallway. So so there was you know there was a lot of that. There was a lot of learning. That's cool. And so fast forward, right? So you did many years there, and then up the line, ended up at the rescue. Well, so lieutenant, right? Yeah. So I was a, I was a firefighter for about eight years. I got promoted off the rescue. Uh, I got put on a North End Engine Company, which actually at the time I was really upset uh, that I got put in a single engine house, kind of out of the fray a little bit. And again, hindsight's twenty twenty. I had a deputy chief that said, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, we all know you can go to fires, but can you be an officer? And you know, I'm going to put you out there. There's no captain. There's no assistant chief, you know, in the house. On your own. It's all you. And when you catch work there, it's all you. 
And, uh, you know, that house, I was there for five years. Every year I was there, our runs increased by about 100, 150 a year. They're now one of the busiest engines in the city. The, the neighborhood was changing. And, uh, you know, I, I, I made a nice grab up there. It was really good. And then uh, after five years, I bid back to the rescue and got back to the rescue as the boss and spent five years there as the boss. Nice. I, I remember in the car when we were going up there and you, you telling us that, and I just thought to myself, I was like, wow, like how much, like how awesome was it for that chief to have that insight and to really put you out there on your own? Because I know for myself, like having been a new officer, there's a lot of sink or swim moments right. where there is no, like you can take classes and you can take management classes and leadership, but until you have the weird scenarios of like having to deal with interpersonal stuff in the firehouse and right. the alarms in the street, you just don't know. Right. But the other part of that too, and, and you know, you always talk about culture and the new guys and everything else is I had eight years on the job and they put me up there to test me out for five years. You know, it, it wasn't like, you know, you got a year on and okay, uh, you know, hey, we think you should go to this single engine house to learn the trade and we'll pull you out of there in six months. It was, no, you know, it's a marathon. It's yeah. not a sprint. Yeah. Well, so. and, and that's, that's it. But uh, today is the problem of patience. Right. People don't have patience. It's a long game. And I right. love that, Chief. I, I love that you just hit on that because so often everything we do now is instant gratification. Oh, yeah. I need an answer. I pick up my phone to look at it, right? Mm -hmm. They say bar conversations, betting at bars, like when you go out with your buddies and you're like, yeah, I remember that movie and so-and-so was in it. And they're like, yeah, well, now you can just look it up. Yeah, yeah. There's no argument. There's no back and forth over that. Right. And so we, we are now the society of instant gratification, instant answers. And I think that relates to the fire service very much nowadays. And I think what you just hit was huge. It's a patience game. Like, when you're a fireman, on the career side, it's 20, 25 years plus, right? Right. On the volunteer side, it could be 50 years, right? Like, so it's a long game. And too often, our guys want it now. We don't go to enough fires anymore, right? So where the long game used to be four, five, six years to get a lot of fires under your, when you started in the 80s, yeah. like you went to a lot of fires. Yeah. You got your you got your feet wet quick, man. Well, and, right? and, and they're not going to fires, so what do they do right. in the meantime? You know, they tune in, they listen to a couple of knuckleheads from New Jersey, tell them how to cut the roof, right. and, and that's what they buy into, you right. know? So, so that was a shot. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with <laughs> that, you. that was a shout-out. I'm with you. No, I get it. But, but, but we, no, so 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 that's where they're getting their their and and you hit it on uh, one of your things earlier about you know you need to take a little from this and a little from this and a little from this and, right. then, and then get some experience and and put it all together and say okay form this is own. yeah form your own opinion absolutely and you're right and thank you I think it's a shot but no you're you're absolutely right and so you know fires are down. You know, we can get guys to get into training, but until they can get that heat and until they really understand the job, and not only the job, not only the firefighting aspect, but the firehouse aspect too. Right. right? Well, like, you have to have those people about, right? around you respect you, and respect isn't something that is given, it's earned. Right. And it's earned from the person who gives it. So you just can't come and take it or I've done all this right. and I, right. and that's what a lot of people think. Well, I've had all these classes. Well, that's terrific. You still haven't quite earned my respect for this yet. Well, and the other thing with respect is, is uh, you know, it takes you a long time to build it. it lose it like that. Yes. You know, respect and, and, and your authority and whatnot. It takes a long time to get it. Yep. It doesn't take long to lose it. And that's it, right? And it's the same with thing with positivity and negativity, right? You could be so positive all the way, but the positive game is much longer. It's a marathon. 
The negative game is a sprint, and it happens like that. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. When, when you have the respect of the guys and you make that bad decision or you don't think through something, man, it takes a long time to recover. Oh, yeah. A long time to recover. I, I think that one of the reasons why I did well was that there were so many new people. So when we went to company, you know, we went to jobs. Uh, back then, we were three engines in one truck to a fire. We had six-man trucks. The, the, the officer had 20 or 30 years on, and then the other five guys had a year, six months, you know, a couple guys I came on with. So it was filled with new people. So, so we were all kind of learning on our own. It was, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. Oh, how could it not be, man? I yeah. sit here, I'm like envious of it, right? Like, I mean, I, I didn't become a fireman until 95, 1995. So, Tucker, when did you start? 1980. 80. Okay. And then yeah. you're probably around a little after that, right? Your volunteer years or whatever came Oh, yeah. Out. I mean, between the time in Long Island and then I joined the volunteers and, and the whole thing. So. But, man, I mean, it really is. And, you know, we, we have quite a young following that yeah. follows our yep. content and so on. So, I, I, a lot of them really don't understand the hip boots, long coat, back step. Like they just, and I do because I grew up yeah. in it, but I wasn't a fireman until like, you know, the first, just to put it in perspective, like four door chassis, four door cabs were like 86, 87, 88. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, so mid eighties, you're still riding open cab, back step, you know, open coats, but the combustibles were different. The building construction was different. The neighborhoods were different. Like, Oh, absolutely. absolutely. It was a different game. Oh yeah, yeah, and and the thing is, is you know, and we find this nowadays. Everybody yearns for the old days. You know, oh, you know the, you know the three quarter length boots. They were great. And I'm like, yeah, but you're the first guy to send me five wrecks if the air conditioning doesn't work. You know, we didn't yeah. have air conditioning. Right. We didn't. You know what I mean? So I love that. So that's you know, yeah, that's you know so so you gotta you gotta put that in perspective. And and that kind of hits on something that you you like. I, I wish we could do like a a carpool karaoke style like thing when we were out with you because you were talking. When we went up to where that was a good day, that was a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, that, that was, was a lot good. of fun. I think we're we're going up to uh, Lieutenant Higgins Firehouse, which which twelve, uh, twelve, right? Where you and that's where I went. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's where I went. Yep. And you said that like guys complain that these new guys, you know, are this and they're that, but you, you and you, as I'm paraphrasing you, but you're like they're responsible for for that. Like they're in a position where they can change that. Absolutely. And I just sat in the back and I was just like, my, I was like, thank God I didn't look in the rear view because you just see me like this. Uh, like, but I was shocked because you were so spot on with that. Like. People complain about, you know, younger guys who are saying like, "Oh, I want to go back to the day," or this and that, and it's like they're responsible for the path that they want to see. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, you, you go online, you look at, you know, getsalty.com or whatever those, you know, all those sites are, and they see guys, you know, in a pair of jeans and white socks and and mailman shoes cutting roofs and whatnot, you know, and they think, man, that that's what I want to right, be, right, right. you know, and, and go back to that. But they're not looking at the pictures of the officer in the white shirt and a tie because you had to wear a tie every right. day. You had to wear a tie to fires. You, you're not looking at the World War II vets who were like crunching these guys to make sure that they did all these, you know, silly things. Yeah. So they, just like any of us, where we look back and we only pick the good stuff. So that's what's happening now is that people our age on the job are looking back at these new guys and they're saying they're only remembering, you know, the the. And, and they don't remember the old guys when we came on that were mad that, you know, we were like, wear a tie. I'm a fireman. I don't wear a tie. What are you kidding me? Right. And then they're, they were just as upset that we wouldn't wear a tie or that, you know, those kind of things. When I first came on the job, um, the only person allowed to carry a flashlight was the officer. <laughs> and the only person allowed to have a radio was an officer. Yeah. So a bunch of guys uh, 
communicate and illuminate. Right. So they bought their own bootleg handy talkies with speaker mics, which, you know, what do you mean you don't hold a radio? Yeah, right, you right, know, right, you got right. this, you know, what are you, yeah. a bandolier with the thing and all that? And we all, you know, it's before the days of stream lights and everything else. So we all bought dive lights because it's a nice tight beam and it's right. watertight. And mm-hmm. we had, and, and then sure enough, uh, what was it, Backdraft came out and they all had they the belts have, on. Yeah. yeah, so they were like, oh, you guys think you're in the movies right. and all this stuff. But, but again, it's this where we recognize that, you know, we were the young guys and the old guys were like, who do these guys think they are carrying flashlights? And now here we are 20 and, years later, 30 years later. And that's it, right? Like every generation that comes before, right? Right. Looks at the next generation and says, ugh. Right. You know, World War II, greatest generation, right? I have no problem with that statement, right? Those guys worked hard for our country. They were family men, right? But then the next generation wasn't as good. And then right. the next generation wasn't as good. And the next gen, like, look at, and it cracks me up today when we talk about the young firefighters and the generation before them is complaining about them, yet that's the generation that created them. Yeah. Right. Right? And right. That's, that's, that's what cracks me up about it. But it's not so much that one generation is any better or worse than the other. It's just different. Right. Times changed. Yeah. Things right. changed. The only, the only thing today versus years ago is time changes quicker now. It does, and but it's it's our job as as yeah. officers, as leaders, to not try to change them, but we have to change ourselves to bring them along. That's huge. That, Absolutely. That we're still trying to reach this next generation of firefighters, but we have to remember we got to do it different. We can't yeah. do it the way the World War II vet that that did to me. Right. I have to do it differently to reach this kid. Right. Both sides have to be willing to open up that line of communication. And Tucker and I, we get into it every once in a while, and we have a little bit different point of view. Um, I think even at the last podcast, like, yeah. we kind of just like we're like, wait a minute, like, and I call BS on a lot of stuff because yep. I think a lot of stuff gets thrown at as it's easier to make a cop out or make a generalized statement than it is to fix or address. Absolutely. And so, like, my thing is, is like, okay, if this generation or this younger generation isn't what you want them to be, how do you bridge the gap to get through to them? Because you can't tell me you can't. You have to find a way to do it. Right, right. And and, and let's let's be honest. You know, mm-hmm. volley house, paid house, whatever. You, you get five guys, you get ten guys or whatnot joining. They're not all going to be rock stars. Right. And some people are going to fall off. Some people are going to quit. Some people are going to stay, but they're just not, you know, they're going to be B players. That's okay. But it's up to us to recognize the ones that, that – need or, or yearn to be brought along much yeah. faster and are capable of being brought along much faster. And it's up to us to do that. But it's also up to us not to discount that B player and, and lose him in the, you know, let's face it, you know, there's not everybody can be on the rescue company. Somebody's got to be on the engine. I, no offense to anybody out there. No, well, <laughs> that's, 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 like, I, that is so that's a well, firehouse joke. Chief, that is so well said. And I, I agree yeah. with you a hundred and ten percent. Like, there are things like, I will never be a professional basketball player. Right. Why? I can't. Right. I mean, it's that simple, right? Not everybody can be. That was such a loaded question, right? right? We were all like, there was a big, there was a big, there was a big pause. You right can there. jump on all you want, but where I'm going with it is this, and I very much agree with you. Like, some people inherently are all stars, right? Whatever they choose to do, right? Firefighting. There's guys that are 
All stars. Right. And then there are B players. And there's C well, you players, you had right? the, the kid in a couple weeks ago from Rescue Three talking about the three A's. You know? Right. And then that's that's dead on. You know, dead on. It, it truly is. And mm -hmm. um, and so that experience it, to me is people have to understand. I think for so long we tell everybody like you could be anything you want to be. Right. Sure. How good at it are you going to be? Right. I can give you the title. Right. But are you going to be able to fulfill those? A shoes and not a B or C student type right, thing, you know? Right, right. I mean, that's it. I wasn't a strong student growing up. I was a, like a C student, you know, in high school and college. Like, you know, that wasn't my strong, but I'm, I'm good with my hands and I'm good on my feet, you know? Right. Like, you know, and so it's that type of thing. But people have to understand that too, is that, and I agree with you, Chief, that there is a place for you, but not everybody's, you know, yeah. built or cut out for it. Well, I think that's the hard part is that, you know, a lot of, like, we were just um, rehashing before is that you said people get this whole like hey you can do it you can do it and in the fire service like I'll never be a tech rescue guy because like I understand my knots but, like when you start getting like three to one systems no, yeah, I'm like I, I start getting confused real fast yeah. and but like I'll, I'll lay a line really well like I, I will put a line in service and I'm comfortable being like yeah that's the I can, I can do that like I can do truck work Let's let's go to a roof. Let's cut a hole. Let's whatever we have to do. Right. We'll do that. But if you want me to be a dive water basket weaving specialist, that's probably not going to happen. And like, I think I, I've been fortunate enough to have people be like, "Hey, we recognize exactly the hole that you fit in," and you but, recognize but it. But this is gonna, where this is where the chiefs come, yeah. right? Is that you know, as leaders, as chiefs, on down through the management structure and you know the, the superiors, they need to recognize their people. Yeah. And then they need to understand where they go, where they fit, where do we put them, how do we make this machine mm -hmm. work the best it can work. Right, right. But but I think one of the pitfalls is to, you know, again, have a group of 10, have your two all-stars, and then, because it's easy, the all-stars are easy. So you bring them along right. and you completely discount the other eight. And, and they're still your people, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, well, and again, to recognize that they're not gonna be that guy, but they're still gonna be your people and you still need these people. And so you need to reach down and get them and get them up to the, the maximum of their potential. And you might be surprised that some of them might end up being an A player, but it just may take a little longer. But again, just because enthusiasm doesn't, doesn't uh, equal competence. Yeah. I, I always looked at it as like my, you know, I, and I look at the guys that I've worked with over the years, they're, they're not all A players, you know, and, and some of them are. Some, I, I work with some really great firefighters, right. but like there's times where like those B firefighters have just, they, they won the Super Bowl. Like Absolutely. Were, and, and knowing that like I've kind of did what I had to do to like, you know, entrust in them to like, hey, I, I trust you, so trust me a little bit, but like, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm going to let you out. and. Fly birdie, and they and they fly, and, right. and it's great when it happens. Right. I mean, not far, at least for me, it is. But yeah, nice. No, I, that's great. We hit on fantastic stuff right there. That's good. So, chief, where are we going? Let's talk about the rescue. You brought up rescue yeah. firefighters. You opened the door. You spent a lot of time, and you were a good amount of time in your career on the rescue. I did. Um, I did. Made, uh, from what I'm hearing, a name for yourself in the rescue as a as a really solid firefighter. Um, you were also became the boss of the rescue. I did. Okay. I, I left, went to 12s for five years, then came back to the lieutenant there for five, so on the rescue for five years. Awesome. So let's kind of like roll back a little bit. Let's talk about firefighting in Bridgeport. It's a tough city. Yep. Yep. Um, it's, yeah. Is it, 
you're going through the typical revitalization now. You're seeing some uptick in construction. Absolutely. We're seeing an uptick in construction. Uh, a lot of the buildings, you know, the old crappy buildings are getting knocked down. There's a lot of interest in the lots. You know, Connecticut's not in the best shape right now. So, I, you know, there's a lot of potential in Bridgeport. I think what holds us back is, you know, there's not a lot of interest in, in Connecticut. So, okay. So, but, I mean, we got Deepwater Port. I mean, it's it's a good it's a good place and it's a it's a clean canvas you know yeah. it's, yeah. it's ready for somebody so so and, that, and that's fantastic and when we were there i'm just thinking of we were there towards the end of the summer i believe and it was like there was a lot happening city's a busy city oh you yeah have, yeah it's a maybe just a little bit uh size population wise. yeah we're, we're we're just under 17 square miles and 150,000 people so you guys are hopping yeah and um, so we're nine nine engines four trucks uh one rescue and then there's a river that splits the city in half so we're uh, east side battalion west side battalion so 62 on a shift okay and this is an old industrial city right yeah it was uh it, during the wars world war one world war two it was called the arsenal of america so remington had a big place mm-hmm. uh locomobile built uh, right. and stratford next door built tank engines i mean you know connecticut's always been a big uh, defense state. well it's in a unique spot right it's on the long island sound yep which yep. is for people that aren't familiar long island sound is the waterway between long island and the connecticut shore but it's the atlantic ocean right but it's considered the Long Island Sound. So it's mm-hmm. kind of an interesting place um, and so on. So I know when we toured around with you, um, it was just really a great day. We met up with you around lunchtime and we spent the whole afternoon with you um, popping around at different firehouses. But what I took of it was you knew almost <laughs> the majority of the jobs that you went to in that city. We went down a block and we were like, here we had this, here we had this. This was the big, you know, this mill fire. The next day we had another mill fire. And that's why I was asking about industrial city because there are a lot of mills in that oh, yeah. typical northeast yeah. city with a lot of mill type construction. Yep. You told a story about, and I think it was before you got promoted to chief, you were at a, a 9/11 memorial service. Yeah, and a box came in, and, and so I, I went back and because you, you said, "Hey, there's video." So like, right, I got to remember that down. I remember that and look at it, and I went and watched the video. I was like. He was not kidding. Yeah, that like place, a, that was the fastest fire I ever saw. I yeah. mean, that, I, I, I liken that to the Markel Mark fire the other night. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. except it wasn't as cold. Yeah. Right. But, uh, but, you know, it, it, I mean, literally, the, I was the other sides, the box hit. We were going into City Hall for a 9-11 thing because it was September 11th to 14th. And it was supposed to be light smoke. And the assistant chief on the other side of town gave a first report of, like, you know, wispy smoke. And talking to the guys in the first two truck, they were like, oh, we thought it would be a can job, like rubbish in the corner of this vacant factory. And we went into City Hall. We were walking up the steps. And the chief got on and said, give me a second alarm. We got fire through the roof. And, and City Hall is like up on a hill. You can see the whole east side. And we get back in the car. And the header was like, <laughs> I'm like we were just looking at that. And there was nothing. It was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, and, and the video off. of it, like, because I remember, I think when you told the story, we were driving down the street, and it was like this lot on the side, and you were like, no, it was a school, right? The yeah. school got built in its place? So I yeah, they're working on it, yeah. Yeah, and, and but I was just like, and you were like, yeah, and pretty much we thought we were going to lose this whole section here. Right. So what you see on the right is what we were going to lose, and what you see on the left is what we burned down. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm thinking to myself, wow, like, and then I saw the video, and I was just like, wow, this is one of them, like, fire in the streets coming out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And how we didn't lose. I mean, there's a whole neighborhood of three woods right there, you know, and, and just like Markel, there's, you know, there's embers the size of dinner plates yeah. falling on roofs. Oh, there was two or three engine companies. Of, yeah, yeah there's two yeah. or three engine companies going roof to roof, putting out right. fires. I mean, uh, you know, everybody that night just. Yeah. Do you do it. recalls in the city? 
We rarely, rarely, rarely. Yeah, we did not that in the old days. We did in the old days. Um, we did a lot of that, but we don't yeah. as much. So and now, so we're running so nine engines, four trucks in the yep. rescue, right? Yep. And then you have two battalions, right? Yep. East side, west side, and battalion chiefs have aides with them. Correct. The lieutenant is the aide. Oh wow! Which is which is, is he assigned to the battalion? Is, yep. So the chief does the chief get the pick? He does. It's the that's only huge. it's the only position in the city by contract that's um, not open to the to the bid process. Right. So you can't get in there unless and and basically it's it the way it's worded is it's at discretion of the chief, but you know it, it traditionally is you're the assistant chief you pick your aide. So if you're coming up on the promotional list as a as to go from captain to chief you're you're already talking to a lieutenant and saying you know hey if I make it. Right, like it a company. But I think that's fantastic because they get to take a guy that they 100% trust. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. My aide, uh, Lieutenant Mark Cody, who's currently sitting on the captain's list, uh, Cody was was absolutely my wingman. Yeah. You know, same thought process. You know, you didn't have to, and you could talk to any city chief that's had a good aide. You know, I mean, that is just worth its weight in gold. Well, and, and so where I want to go with this is that, you know, a lot of places don't even know what they are, let alone you, right. right? Have them, seen them, understand what they do. Um, maybe we could just talk about that a little bit because well, I can tell just by the way you're yeah. talking about it, it's something that was special to you and important. That, well, um, I mean, uh, let's talk about, you know, some of the pictures you see of chiefs at, at fires now. Right. And, you know, your own fire department, you got a dispatch channel? Yep. You got a fire ground channel? Right. You got any other channels? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and who's supposed to listen to that? Right. You know, these guys that you see at fires, they got like five portables slung over Ooh. their shoulders and a cell phone. Right. And, and, you know, guys are like, what's he doing talking on the phone? But, hey, that's a lot of the communication we do. Right. So, basically, with us is even though both the aide and the chief are wearing two radios, the chief's primary job is to listen to channel two, it's to concentrate and listen to the fire ground channel. And all the dispatch calling command and requesting the power company and right. all of that stuff, right. the aide is doing all of that. Right. Different people are calling command on the cell phone. They're calling the battalion chief's phone on the, and he's answering that. He's doing all of that. Does the aide where does the aide become frontline fire manacle? No. Meaning, okay, so it doesn't put it back. I'll go to the rear side C to give reports back to. No, folks. Okay. No. So that's different in some areas Shocking. too. Yeah. Is how they do it. Right. But again, if if he's around back doing that, then who's doing oh, who's doing that stuff? Right. So so he very quickly becomes the accountability officer. I, you know, I don't want to go so far as saying collecting tags and things right. like that, but but he should have a good handle on who's on the second, who's on the right. third, and things like that. Knows who the bosses are in the right. companies, know where they are, right. what their operation is, their position, their, are they forward, are they back? Right, and as the extra alarm companies come in, you know, that that literally the, the BC can turn and say, all right, I need another engine. You know, hey, Matt, I need another engine on the third floor. And he could say, all right, it's engine 12. Okay, and engine 12. I, I still think even, and I can attest to it just on the volunteer end, is like we talk about like incident management teams in a command structure. Yeah. And I think too often we're not allowing the right resources to help in a command forward position. Well, and and I've done a couple talks on that yeah. and whatnot about particularly in the volunteers. You know, again, like we were kidding before about taking an older volunteer and hand them a flashlight and a reflective vest right. to say go direct traffic. Yeah, There's still faster. plenty of old, you right. know, older, more senior members that yeah, they're not gonna be taking a line down the hall. Chief say it's a great job for yeah. yeah. It, but the thing is, as long as they understand they're not the chief. Right. Mm -hmm. But but you know, when when dispatch calls command, 
the chief has to check his ego that, you know, I'm fine with this guy answering. Correct. You know, and, and I'm concentrating on the fire. They call command, you know, hey, do you want the, you know, cable company out there or, you know, the bus company's going to send you buses for relief. Okay, fine. And then when you get a second, the aide can just turn, hey, chief, uh, I called for yeah. two buses. They're on the way. Okay, I, I, think, I think the biggest thing, too, is just for the chief to understand that he's a manager. And, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's, yeah. that's it. Plain and simple. For, well, I mean, look at, you know, the Super Bowl last week. Right. There isn't one coach. Right. You know? Yeah. Without a doubt. It's a great analogy. For you as a, as a battalion chief, uh, what like to help put it into uh, some perspective for our, our listeners and our viewers, What's like a couple of the things that you, as a, as a chief, said? Like this is why I had a chief say. Like this is I, I like at, at this one call I turned and they had this this done. Or this is what I really got out of them, and and why it made my life easier. Well, a, a couple of things. That, let's put it this way: things that I tell new people that become assistant chiefs is one of the things obviously is accountability. So we sent thirty one people to a structure fire. That's a full mm-hmm. assignment for us. So you know. Very often, new assistant chiefs will be like, well, how do I keep track of 31 people? I'm like, you're not supposed to keep track of 31 people. You're supposed to keep track of seven. Right. Because those seven have three or four working for them. And so so that's a big part of it, that the chief aides need to do that. But I, I think that, the you know, you talk about um, what the aid is really, like, good experiences is – you know, fires that are getting away from you. And I would turn around and, and literally just look down the street and go like that. And Cody would, would hook a second, you know, right. and those kind of things. And, and uh, you know, you, you develop this this relationship of hand signals. And, and I'll tell you another thing that, that the aide, particularly in a career department, that really helped. There are times that you'll go into a firehouse that something's going on or you see something on a call that shouldn't be but you don't want to be that, you know, yep. I got to write you up and, yep. you know, we're going to file a. So what the aide does is the aide will like, you know, all right, fellas, you know, have a good night, be safe. And you'll leave and the aide will be, the aide will hang back and he'll grab the lieutenant and go, hey, uh, What's going on? next time, you know, don't let the boss see that. And I know he's saying it, right? you know, but, and it's just a way to mm-hmm. kind of, we, we handle issues without them becoming official issues. And, and that's really, that was one of the big things from my career department that, that the aide really came through. That, to me, is huge because I think that is starting to lack more and more. Right. And whether, whether career volunteer, I'm not, I don't even care. I'm just talking about the way we handle situations today and how we talk to people and how we, you know, informally make a change, informally correct something that was wrong without making it big monumental feat because every everybody's worried about what happens if this happens and legality and all that shit. Right. right? Like, yeah, everybody's afraid to, to have that difficult conversation. But I think in the fire service, there has to be that informalcy of it that, right. you know, there needs to be a way that the guy can put his foot down and be like, you, get over here. Like, this isn't going to work. We're not going to do this. Like, you get that, right? I'm, I'm stemming it now before it goes any bigger. Like, we need to be able to do that. Right. But I think we're losing some of that because one I think people are afraid to confront and people are more afraid to have that informal conversation or off the record conversation yeah and two they're worried about the repercussions on it but this job is built a lot on peer discussions peer how you think about the other guy how the other guy manages and treats you and how you how you relate with him mm-hmm. and I think we're losing that and I think that needs to be addressed well, even and in, in that spot with like the aid, like I've always looked at 
the fire department, everyone says it's like this paramilitary organization, right? And for me in my world, like, all right, so I'm a lieutenant, I'm the officer. But my senior man is my NCO, like that what you would typically see right. in the army. Right. And he's the guy that goes in and kicks in the troops and, not, and just says, like, hey, listen, right. we missed this on the ambulance today and it wasn't there on the call and the, and the lieutenant's not happy about it. We got to make sure that this isn't where I can come in. Like when Craig worked with me, I could say to, to you know, him, like, listen, last shift, it just didn't go well. And I don't want to be the guy that comes in and, and says, like, hey, no, I get that. Oh, I get like, it. Will you? And, but like as a chief say, that's even a better, I think, yeah. for the volunteers, yeah. even, even in the volunteer service. If you define that in the volunteer service and said like, "Hey, Jeremy's my chief's aide," and and we we kind of put it into a position now, as a as a chief, they have that NCO to go back and be like, "Listen, guys, if we do this again, we're gonna like things are gonna change, not for the better." Right. And I I, I just I think but that's that great. also happens now because I happen to be that guy. Right. You do in your department. Right. Exactly. But I, like the other they, ones have. I get well. That, but 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 you need to be able to have somebody, or you hope to have somebody that. You know, I'm not a chief's aide. I'm just a guy that's been around and got a big mouth, but I have the best, the best of the company at heart. And so, when something doesn't go right, instead of making it a formal issue, I might get a phone call and say, "Hey, Jeremy, can you, um, I don't know, you go in there and mix things up a little bit and take care of what happened the other night or something?" And I said, "Sure." Right, but at the same time, you need to have that level of respect that when you are the boss, right. that that you can have those conversations sure. without going pen to paper and, and well, things like right. that. Absolutely. But I think where a lot of people drop the ball is coming back, right? So you have that conversation. You say, "Look, Jeremy, you know, the other night, you know, that can't happen." Da 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 da. And you know, when we take promotional tests, people learn. You know, I'm going to set a day, thirty limit, thirty days. We're going to come back. We're going to have a coaching counseling session. But, you know, without being that formal, say two weeks later, say, Jeremy, you know, I noticed you haven't done that, you know, and thanks. You know, that really helps us out. Or didn't you notice how much better things have been since you've actually stopped? You know, and just having that little positive feedback. feedback. And that's not blowing smoke up anybody's ass. That's that's honestly recognizing that whatever this guy was doing that was going down the wrong path, you're acknowledging the fact that he's going down the right path. Absolutely. Jesus. Absolutely, a little a little pat on the back goes very yep. very long. Oh yeah, without a doubt. So that's cool. So all right, so where'd we go? Well, I mean, we, we we hit on so many different things. We're all over the place. I kind of want to get back to firefighting in Bridgeport because yep. that's who you are. That's what you are. Long career there, boss in the rescue. Yep. Maybe talk about your time in the rescue a little bit. I mean, that's got to be when you're when you're a rescue company in a in a tough city. You're going to a lot of work. You're going to every single job in the city. Well, it was, it was really interesting because when I first went there, when I first went to the squad, we were literally fighting fires the way we fought them with the horses. So we still had double engine companies. And the squad, which was the rescue at the time, was a utility body with 300 gallons of water and a 250 PTO pump. So for the, all the historians out there, this was the chemical wagon. Right. So we would drive balls out to the fire We'd get there, we'd pull up out front, we, we'd pull our pre-connect, which was inch and a half with an SG-60 on it until I went back to Ridgefield and procured four lengths of inch and three quarter. And so we had the first inch and three quarter in the city and we would go up and stretch and start fighting the fire. The engine companies would, the hose wagon would lay in, the pump would hook up big, they'd get the two and a half out front. My, hook up big. My old friend yep. Timmy Guys yeah, would call he, it the he, muster he, team competition. So he would, yeah, you know, yeah. we'd have the muster team competitions out front. Everyone would get the two and a half. Yeah. And by then, we'd run out of water. We were on tank water. Yeah, right. We'd run downstairs. The pump would be running dry. We'd disconnect. We'd find one of the two and a half. We'd hook up to it. 
recharge the line, go back upstairs and keep going. So, but in, and then in the time that I had left and came back, it had morphed from that three man squad to five guys. They had taken the trucks went from six to four. So what they did was they added two more to the rescue so that the manpower at the initial assignment didn't change because they only sent one truck at a time. So we, we morphed into five, five people on the, on the rescue. And that just kept going of, you know, more and more rescue equipment and more and more training. Uh, but and, the responsibility of the rescue yeah. company right. starts becoming more prevalent. And, it, it, you know, you're not just going to fires anymore. Now you're right. responsible for all the other. Right. I mean, we, we at the time, we had the only hearse tool. And now every truck has a hearse tool. You know, then right. we got the airbags. And we had the only airbags. Now everybody, you know, and then we just kept going. I mean, now we just added in the past couple of weeks basically a second piece. So we, we took a truck and, and converted it, and they took all the other crap that was on it off, and they took all the stuff out of the trailers that were parked out back, and they loaded them up. And uh, it's it's now a second piece for the stuff that we don't use every day, but right. when we need it, you need it. So. Yeah, yeah, interesting. How did you enjoy the rescue? Oh yeah, yeah. No, that was that was the bomb. Was it kind of like you came full circle, right? I mean, you kind of started there. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And then when I made captain, yeah. I mean, I regret not getting back there as a rescue captain. Okay. But I was only a captain for five years, only a captain for five years. And I actually ended up by, it was a funny thing. When I made captain, uh, there were a lot of chiefs off. So I literally made captain and got detailed to the car. So I was, oh, wow. I was acting oh. assistant chief a lot Okay. when I first made captain. And then as testing came along and promotionals and whatnot, I ended up... So I ended up at ladder ten, I, engine one, long time on engine one, and then and then a long time at ladder ten, which, which, uh, which is a fantastic house. Fantastic, and fantastic. I can attest to that firsthand. I mean, we were welcome there, like you know, we were the friend. I mean, best yeah, ten, I mean, tens, were- tens is phenomenal. So, so I, I spent most of my time as a captain at tens, and that was the easiest assignment because it was just one of those houses that runs itself. Nice. So yeah, and the, the pride. All I mean, you stars, saw it. The pride. Yeah, the absolutely. pride in that house yeah. is unbelievable, and you know. I think what's cool. It's a newer not. Newer, newer, I guess you can say. Right, right? Uh, but but it had as much pride when it was down the street in that right. single house. So it was an, it was an engine and a truck stacked. Right. So if the truck took a run, the engine had to pull out and, and yeah, back that's the right. truck. You, you actually yeah, took us past that. that. But where I was going with this was, you know, we we always talk about tradition and culture and so on. And a lot of times it gets lost when we get to new firehouses. A lot of the old stays behind and so on. But these guys at tens, which I want to talk about too, why you call it that. Um, but the guys at Tens, they brought in their old watch desk. Right. So they went back to the old firehouse. We were we were getting ready to basically turn the building back over to the city. And uh, the captain that took my place uh, called me and said, hey, you know, can we get some stuff out of there? And I'm like, yeah, you know, you can't steal the boiler. But so they went over and, and there was an old mahogany, you know, watch desk with right. the telegraph signals yeah, yeah. and the, you know, the bar stools around the thing. And, everything, and they took it. And they wheeled it back over the new tents, and they refinished the whole thing and polished it up, and they put it in its in the lobby, and it's absolutely beautiful. That's cool. And and then seeing the pictures on the walls, and uh, you know, just seeing like and the, the pole, like the pole that oh. they took the pole. I mean, there was yeah. so much. Right, they took the pole out of the old firehouse, and they put the the big spring loaded gates and everything, and they put it at the new firehouse is one story kind of. It has a pole out in the other room, but they put it in the TV room, put it in the corner. Got a black piece of plywood and put right. it where the circle that you would normally slide through and put it there. Yeah. So, 
you know, it, it's again, it's the tradition. If Pembroke is on the one side, is that? Yep. Where, and yep. I forget what the other street is, but like I remember the nozzles and the street names. Did you yep. study? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. No, no, it was. Like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm impressed. Wow. Virtual I, tour. It was. Yeah, it was. What was the, the kitchen table? Was, the kitchen table was. I think I, I get the kitchen table confused with Hackensacks when we were there visiting. It was close, close. Common. Big, big acrylic with the patches, and then the four legs of the table are four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, so, so they they did a lot of, a lot of good work out of there, a lot they of were, and um, still do. And they were nice enough to uh, ask us to stay for dinner, but we could yeah. not that night. Yeah, so, yeah, yep. Uh, yep. But uh, Seb is not in the room. Thanks, Seb. You can check this out when yeah. we're editing. But uh, anyway, so <laughs> so but they yeah. like they like to call themselves the men from tens, but then they they're big rumors, so they like to hear things. So we call them the hens from tens because they get all <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, so I it's like always that. fun. Can you explain why you call them plural tens, sixteens? Uh, that was just always the way it was. And then um, in the early 70s, they took a lot of the single engine house and they combined them. So they took uh, engine ladder three and engine four and they put them in one house. So they, they you know took the old firehouse, the old firehouse, they built a modern firehouse in between, right. they put them in there. So three fours mm-hmm. is in one firehouse. Right. Uh, engine seven, ladder 11, and engine 11 got put in one firehouse. So it's seven 11s. So it's engine seven, ladder 11, six eights. Even though eights got closed a long time ago, it, now it's just sixes. But and all the firehouses are just known by that's how they're known. Is they're yeah, known. No, except I, for headquarters. And, headquarters, and, right. headquarters. And three fours is the double engine house. Yep. With yeah, there's the two engines. Yep. Airport truck in it too, right? The one for the airport or no? No, that's sixes. That's sixes. All right. One of them was a quantum. Yeah. That's why I remembered. I was like, this is a, there's like there's a quantum in the city. And yeah, we have, we have was three. I'm not paying attention. We had three quantums. One of them used to have a, a snozzle on the top. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That was the old engine one. That was the when I was a captain on engine one. That was a rig we rode. You just don't bring me along for the ride. Like, yeah, I'm attention. impressed. I'm he impressed. He took his vitamins. Too. Yeah, yeah. I'm what? telling you, I'm I'm at very impressed right now. <laughs> I'm very like the historical society in Bridgeport. <laughs> yeah, called, right? yeah. Like, you know, you gotta, yeah. Bobby Toth is in charge of the historical society. Uh, right? He should write his name down. I mean, Bobby Novak. Him. Bobby Novak. Excuse me. That's funny. That is yeah, very funny. funny. So and then and then after rescue, we go up the line, right? So you sat in the car as a captain a lot as a covering boss, and then. You end up coming they up. They got us got assigned. Uh, you know, worked uh, as a captain till 2010, and then uh, made assistant chief. Went in the car. Uh, you know, uh, ran the city. Like I said, we run both sides of the city. So I was east side chief for a while, and then the east side, the west side, is about twice as busy as the east side for runs. So you know, of course, I was chomping at the yeah, bit right, to get across right, the right, river. Right. So as soon as I could, you know, we have bidding and whatnot. So I bid over there and got over there. And uh, yeah, that was good. That was good. And then in winter of sixteen, I made the big got chair. dragged upstairs. Dragged upstairs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how do you? So let me ask you. I mean, you know, how do you? You? I mean, obviously you enjoy it, but I mean, it's it's got to be a big change when you're in a big city department. It's got to be a big change from coming off the line and going upstairs. Absolutely. And Absolutely. for you that enjoyed going to fires, not every listen, not everybody likes going to fires. Right. 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 But for you that liked. Getting your ass kicked and then going back to the firehouse, yeah, right? I mean, that was, for you, that was that was the game. Oh yeah, and I still like going to calls. I mean, you see my car, you know. Oh, I. I got my gear. I got my air pack. I got radio. Not that I'm throwing on an air pack, but you know, never can tell. But uh, no, <laughs> I, I I enjoy going to calls and and um, and again, you know, some guys think, oh, the chief shows up to bird dog us and make sure we're doing things right, and I'm not. You know, I like going to fires. Fires, you know, right. 
I my name is Rich. I like going to fires. You know, but uh, you know, and, and you're so, allowed to buff your yeah. own town. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, right, exactly. So, so yeah, I, you know, it's not like I'm racing out of the office every day, and but you know, if there's work, I'm gone. But I have to think, and and well, I know because I saw it firsthand, is when we were with you that day. It's not often we go places and. The chief pulls up, and you know what? Guys got up, they came out, they said hello to you, they shook your hand, they they were interested in meeting us. There was there was a good camaraderie, there was brotherhood, and I think where that comes from is a real fair amount of respect for you because you are a city chief of department, yet you came from the rank and file, and you could you you are still the rank and file, if you will. And, oh yeah. You know you you want to be a farmer, and I think there's that incredible respect that we saw. And where I'm going with this is we were at that one house where the guy was, they were having lunch, and you knew who he was, his place on the promotion list, and who somebody was, and you were like, hey man, let's go, you want to be a boss, like you gotta, you know, but you had that, like, playing back and forth with these guys, and just for you to know everyone by name, and then, I, I mean, I think it's, I think it goes, and it's a true testament to the type of manager you are. But I got to tell you, and I got to confess that, you know, the busier I get and the more new people, you know, thank God they put the names on the back of the coats because we're hiring so many new people. I'm like, you know, and it, but, but I get that. Right. But you're still in the street. Yeah. When you trying, can, trying. Right. Yeah, you're absolutely. still popping in at houses and saying, absolutely. hello. Absolutely. let me ask you this. How many of your buddies from when you got hired are still on the job? Thank you. 90. So so yeah. out of so wow. out of three hundred ninety. Uh, because you, okay, go ahead. So go ahead. so ninety of us have over thirty, with an, like another forty over twenty five, and then almost a hundred have under five. So one third has under five, one third has over twenty five. But he was saying before, and it kind of looks like it rotates up and down with oh, hiring because you took on almost a hundred people when you were hired. One hundred and fifty. One hundred and fifty in one year, yeah, and then were, and then a couple of years. But they were five fifty at the right. time. Right, right. right. I mean, traditionally, still, if you look at the, if you look at our entry, our hiring list, they were about ten year cycles. So, like the guy I replaced was hired in seventy, and then there was a boatload of guys hired in seventy seven, seventy eight, then all of us in eighty seven, eighty eight, then a bunch of guys in the late nineties, and then the late two thousands, and so on and so forth. So, so that's and you're doing back. it again now. Right. The difference is now is I've been able to, to kind of push and show and whatnot the city that it doesn't make sense to wait that long. And, the you know, the train coming down the tracks is we're going to have this mass exodus. Yeah, wouldn't all. it be better for smaller classes? And right. And to have the entrance exam in place. Don't wait till we're 100 in the hole. Yeah. So uh, actually by this, I'd say by the spring for the first time ever, we will have a active hiring list. Engineers promotion list, lieutenants list, captains list, and chiefs list. Wow. So no matter who retires, no matter who goes, we'll have somebody in the chute ready to replace them. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's great. That's uh, that's incredible leadership and foresight. Because yeah. Well, it's it's. I mean, all you got to do is look at the look at the names and look at the time on the job, and you know, they're not going to stay forever. And, you know, we have a contract change in 2020, and I think that's going to you know scare some people off. You have guys there longer than all of New Jersey. I mean, like, New yeah. Jersey chased the guys out. Right, right. New York, I think, is following suit. And when you have a job that you have that many guys with 30 years or 25 years plus on the job, what those guys can bring to the day in the city. And, you know, you say, yeah, you go you go out and you see a lot of new names on the coats because you're hiring. 
But how about the fact that you still see the regular faces that when you get back in your truck after BSing with those guys for a few minutes and you reminisce about a fire from 30 years ago and you just yeah. crack up to yourself like... But maybe and, also that's but those why fires are 30 years, all those stories, you know, the fire's bigger. Oh, yeah, bigger, yeah. hotter. Yeah, I had know. more hair. It always was. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, with the way they, you know, change so infrequently, you're taking those heritage, like when they brought everything back. Well, that's why they did it. Right. And that's why all that's continuing. And now these guys are helping to work on that. And that will always go on. Even if you have another firehouse, they're going to take that out. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I love it. There's different out, like uh, six eights, or sixes, has pictures in the lobby. I don't know if you guys saw them. Do you remember where the pictures are? Rob remembers. I don't. I think we left them in the car when we went to that house. (laughs) But there's like five or six eight by tens, and and the title is the groundbreaking ceremony, Mm -hmm. and it's like five three woods fully involved burning down on that property where the firehouse is now. Yeah, (laughs) things like that. So it's always kind of funny. I think that's one thing too we should just kind of touch on real quick, because Northeast gets lumped into New York and or Boston. But like the the three wood, like here and that. Your mic, that on. Okay, sorry, so I'll back up a little bit. The here in the, uh, the the terminology, but like the three woods. Yep. Um, and then like hooking up big. Yep. Like, can you kind of go into that a little bit because that's specific culture for um, Bridgeport and Connecticut, but it's like it's awesome terminology. Well, the whole thing too, going to host wagons and. Right. So. So a double engine company. So a double engine company was uh, a Mack pumper, you know, traditional CF 600, and one guy was on it. A real fire truck. The, the, right. The big engineer drove that. And then the hose wagon was like a 53 LaFrance, and it had a bed of two and a half in it. And the rest of us rode on that. The combat engineer, that great title. Oh, combat, the big, right. combat engineer. The big, That's great. Big engineer. The big yeah. engineer. Right. Yeah. So the combat engineer, engineer would drive yeah. it. And that was always like when I was a young guy, you know, oh, I want to be the combat engineer. Like, how cool is that? What a title. You know, you'd be in a bar, you meet some girl. Hey, what do you do for a living? I'm a fireman, but actually I'm a combat engineer. Can you write that down for me, Rob? Taylor's so, Tim's going to get what you want. I was just going to say again from Taylor's. All right, cool. So, so uh, the, the officer to combat and the kink man, and that was the fireman. So, so the, the pump would hook up to the hydrant. They'd hook up big most of the time, which is just using the front suction because we didn't have five inch hose. Everything was two yeah. and a half or three inch. Right, right. So the big hose was a soft suction on the front of the rig. So when you said hook up big, that's what it was. They would lay in, they'd beach it on the sidewalk. They'd just pull the hose wagon up. You'd pull off like another 50 feet of two and a half. You'd put a big brass plate pipe on the end. If it was, and this is like the birthplace of transitional fire attack. So it'd be like blowing out of, you know, two floors of a vacant three wood. You'd whack it from the streets with the two and a half right. till it darkened down. You'd unscrew the tip, throw your flake of inch and a half on there, and up the stairs you'd go, and you'd finish it out. And we'd do that night after night after night. Sounds terrible. And you didn't need... <laughs> yeah, that sounds horrible. Yeah, man, I'd feel for you. Yeah. Wow. But like when I was on the engine, so so when I'm, I'm a new guy, right? So I'm on the engine. I, I've got assigned engine six. And this old lieutenant, you know, he's like, why do you always have that tank on your back? What do you mean? He goes, he goes, you're the kink man. I go, yeah, I'm the firefighter on the engine. He goes, no, 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 your job is to get the hose to the front door and the guys from the squad or the guys from the truck will take the line. I'm like, 
Yeah, no. Not over, not over my dead body. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, if I'm doing all that work to get <laughs> yeah, the nozzle right. front door, <laughs> I'm keep going. You know, so that was funny. So hook up big, front suction. So it was hard sleeve, right? No. No, it was, oh, it was, it was, no, it was a soft sleeve? suction, okay. yeah. yeah. But it was okay. it was the big hose. So, um, And then that's what we would do. And then the squad would, uh, you know, the squad would be beached out front with our bootleg inch and three-quarter. And yeah. I, we had a brass 15 16 nozzle. Oh, yeah. And we yeah. would go in with that and, and go to town. Tear it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was it was a lot of fun, and then and then as things progressed, you know, we, we kept going. Was there a, was there a fire for you, as like before even getting promoted as a fireman? You were like, man, this one was awesome. Like this night, I went into work and we killed it. Like it was great. I mean, you hate to be one of those guys that say there were just that many jobs. That mm-hmm. I never thought I'd be one of those guys to be able to say, you know, like you were talking about, like driving around saying, oh, we had this job. That right. if I get in with with Scott Foss, who Scott is, like I said, he's a captain about to be a chief. Scott and I were partners on the rescue for eight years as everything that we would do. Scott's like, you remember this job in that building? I'm like, I don't remember that at all. Oh yeah, yeah this happened and yeah, that yeah, happened. Yeah. And, and so that's, it's pretty cool to, to be in that, in that position. Um, it was, I mean, it wasn't the big fires. Uh, there right. was a housing project not far from us that has since been torn down, but it was named the worst housing project in the city. I mean, in the country, uh, Father Panic Village. And, and that was, three-story masonry there was 90 something buildings and you know it was just deplorable it was terrible but we went to fires there two three times a day like every day it was like going on fire in a smokehouse it wasn't going anywhere it was just hot no you didn't lay in you didn't lay in you just you just stretched and went off tank water and you know maybe two guys went in on air and and took care of business and the rest hung out outside and then, yeah. you, and then you left that's what we drove past it I yeah remember you're telling us like yeah that's all they can lot yeah fire after mattress fire. yep can yep. we so just to give everybody a heads yeah. up but when we when we talk to our guests before we go on air we always ask for kind of a pedigree of who you are a little background so yeah rob asked about memorable fires can we talk about um i see 1996 i see that you were awarded the gold star which is the highest yep award yep. in the in the city of bridgeport for making a grab can you talk about that a little bit yeah so it was um like eight o'clock on a i don't know sunday night or something i was relatively new up at 12 still pouting my feet that i you know yeah. they were calling me richie outskirts for a little while there because <laughs> all the fires are south of route one and i was north of route one so um it was a snowstorm we got hit for a, a house fire right on the borderline of our district in 15s we were on our way over and they they said you know we've got to report occupants trapped and back then, you, you they would take your birthday away from you if you didn't lay in. Everyone had to get their own hydrant. And we uh, we made the call to go right in. So we pull up, and there's like this cape with uh, fire showing on the back. There's a guy out front, and he's like, my wife is still inside. So I tell the, the two firemen, I said, you know, stretch. I'm going to go in and take a look. So I sneak in the front door. I go to the left, I, and they, she, he said she's on the first floor. I go in, I go through the living room, it's you know pitch black now. I start to crawl into the kitchen and the, the kitchen's lighting up. So I can just see the bottom of two feet. So I'm like, I got her. So I radio, I got her. And now the bedrooms that were burning were down the hallway. So now this place is really starting to change from smoke to, to like good visibility because it's all orange. Yeah, right. And I, uh, I straddle her and I grab her and she's kind of half on fire and whatnot. And I'm thinking to myself, where are these guys? You know, where, you know, is my new engine company and these are North End guys and I can't believe they're not coming in to fight the fire. I see the back door. 
I, I burst open the back door. I get her outside. Like I said, she's kind of on fire, so I'm throwing uh, snow on her. And I'm radioing, somebody help me in the back. Somebody help me in the back. And, you know, fire now is like blowing out of windows. I'm like, where are these guys? Now all of a sudden I see the water coming. Like go out front after, you know, now all the cavalry comes and then we cart her away. And she left. Yeah, nice. Um, I go out front and the rig is down the street. What happened here? They had parked on a hill. Slip. They got the inch and three quarter to the front door. They're masking up. And all of a sudden the hose whips out from underneath their knees. And the hose is getting dragged down the street because the pump is sliding down the hill. Wow. So the engineer, you know, grabbed the wheel chock and he's trying to chock it. He stops it. They have to piece in another length to get to the front door. Oh my gosh. And got to the wow. got to the door. Meanwhile, you were in there all by yourself. Yeah, yeah. So that was a good grab. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah, that's that's good, that's, that was a good that's grab. incredible. <laughs> I mean, what a, what a story. Grab's wonderful. Oh yeah, yeah. No, the engine sliding down the road though. That's yeah. like the icing on the cake right. on that story, right. right? And of course, you know, all my buddies from the rescue get there. I'm like, who needs a rescue? The engine company took care of it. You know, <laughs> we put the fire out. We got the lady out. You know, you guys are just, uh, you know. Yeah. So. Hey, you can pick up the hose. Yeah. yeah. Thanks right. for yeah. Tried to slide yeah. away from yeah. us. Like, yeah, pick up our line for us, will you? That's so awesome. that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. No but, doubt. Uh, but I mean, I have to think you have a lot of funny stories like that over a career of yours. Oh, yeah, it was great. Right? It I mean, really it's good. just... And it still is good. I agree with you. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I'm, I'm not in an urban setting like you where, you know, there's a lot more happening. But, you know, it, I, the fire service is good. And well, we're the, still having fun. The nice thing about us is that we're just big enough to be big. Right. But we're not, you know, FDNY or some of these massive jobs where it becomes so impersonal, you know, that that it's still very personal. We're still busy enough. You know, we're not catching the work we used to, but that's okay. You know, we're running around doing a lot of other things. I, I say it all the time. I say my firefighters are the busiest firefighters going because we do free smoke alarms. We do, you know, obviously there's all sorts of training going on and relocations and, and you know, running around in medicals and AFAs and all sorts right. of stuff. So. They are going and going and going, you know, far busier than, than we were. Even though we were running around to, to jobs, it's right. a different kind of busy. Yeah. And they get off their 24, they're exhausted. Well, yeah. that's every, every person we came across that day was dedicated to the city of Bridgeport. And that's the thing that I, I really took out from the trip was oh, yeah. going into those firehouses and talking to those, all those firefighters. And just like you can, it takes you about five seconds to figure out that they're, they're in it for not themselves, for the people right. they work with in the city, and they're there to make that city a better, a safer place, and, and to you know really protect all the visitors and the people that they, are there. They really, and well deserved. They they have a great reputation, yeah. and and I tell the guys all the time. You know, we always get emails and letters. You know, thanking us for this, that, and the other thing, and they never. I don't get emails when they you know stop it at at three houses, so it doesn't take the block. But I get tons of emails for the lockouts and, uh, you know, they came and did the smoke detector install and while they were here, you know, my door was off the hinge. So the guys took a minute and fixed it. You know, you hate to go down that Brunacini, Mrs. Smith thing, but it's the truth, you know, and and, and the guys love it. We we enacted the free smoke alarm program. We did it a different way before I took over and and I got it so that the companies didn't. And a 30, we were just talking about this morning, a 30 year lieutenant came to me and he goes, I gotta tell you, I've never been so fulfilled in my life. This was back two years ago when we started. He goes, because we did it. The people were so excited. We used to have basically a contractor do it. And and I started, I shifted that the guys did it. And they were like, you know, this is great. And while they were in there, what did they do? 
hey, if we ever had a fire in a third floor of this place, how do yeah, we stretch? Right. You know? yep. Yeah, and absolutely. They, it gets them out in the buildings. It was a great, it was a win-win, a thousand percent. I, I was shocked because we did a, an alarm sounding call the other day and uh, the possible carbon monoxide. So we get there and I walk in and I can hear something, but I'm like, that ain't no smoke alarm or carbon monoxide alarm that I've ever heard. And I like walk over to her coffee table and I pick this ornate clock up and I held it up to my ear and this clock's going on. She, the lady gets embarrassed. She goes, oh, I, I didn't know that was going off. I, I just came back from the jeweler. Like this is a family heirloom and I feel so stupid. I got the, and I said, no, it's all right. Like it's okay, it's yeah. what we're here for. And then she's like, and you know, I just didn't know if they were working correctly. And now I'm worried about this. I said, I'm gonna send the guys over and, and we'll check the, right. we'll have them come check the alarms. We'll put fresh batteries in. You know, and it'll be no problem. And like she was so guilty, she felt so guilty about bothering us in the first place. Didn't want us to come back. And I just kind of looked at her and said, "Listen, this is what we're here for. This right. is what we do. Like, you know, this is you are our mission. So don't feel bad. Like you're just making us do our job, and that's awesome. Right. And right. like I think that that aspect of the fire service, because like you said, we and she she slept soundly that night. She knew that nothing was wrong because she was petrified for her, and she had a, her dog there, so she thought. The dog, you know, well, I want the dog to have something happen to and, it. And, and again, that yeah, some of that, right. some of that stuff sounds corny. And and I think, I think what happens is again going back to like those salty dog is yeah. that some of our the younger guys coming in, you know, they watch stuff like this, and they, you know, it's all about the salty stuff that you know they discount that stuff, right? You know, but those guys back, you know, in the whenever, and you know, in the Bronx in the day and the war years and all. That, they were doing nice stuff. Yeah. Too. yeah. How many kids were on a fire engine in the seventies in the Bronx? Like right. in yeah. a fire scene, right? Yeah. yeah. They got lines stretched off this thing, and there had to be fifty kids sitting up well, on the truck about, with think, helmets, on, like wearing a hat. Like, think about that that BBC documentary, right? With Dennis Smith before you know he oh, was Dennis yeah, Smith, yeah, yeah. right? And what does yeah. he say? He talks about you know, hey, the people in the neighborhood, they pull a box. No matter what the problem the is, fire the fire department's going to be there in four minutes, and if yep. it's a leaky toilet or whatever, they're going to fix it. And yeah. that part hasn't changed. Yeah. You know, guys go, oh, we do too many service calls. They were doing service calls back in the war years, too. Yeah. In between the fires. Yeah. And, and medical calls, too, because they didn't want to call the police. Yeah. They were scared of the police, but right. they called the fire department. Right. And even at 10s that day, there were neighborhood kids coming up asking for yeah. water or to That's fix the right. bike tire. Like they yep. were interacting with the firefighters. Well, the I never across the street. There was a yeah, it was an altercation. <laughs> 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 so, so a little, you know. You know I've never. I, I'll but tell you what. I'll I've tell you never. What, they seen, weren't looking up to them. They were looking up to the firefighters. I've never, right. sure, never right? seen I mean, so many bad tires in my life till I went to Bridgeport because yeah. between threes and uh, and tens, both neighborhood fire and sixes too that people show up, you know. And I think half the time it's the kids are doing something just so that they can go in the firehouse and, you know, yeah. it's yeah. just you check it out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, That's awesome. awesome. But that it's salesmanship. It's, I mean, you, you, we're, we're a public service. And, and, you know, the peace of mind we give them or the, the kid that we can instill or boost a little but confidence it's all, it's or also camaraderie a little bit of that. I mean, Remember how you used to say that, uh, you know, the towns used to revolve around the firehouse? Right. Well, here's a city where they're coming in from that block, and they kind of are. The neighborhood yeah. firehouse is so important yeah. in an inner city. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things that we try to do and is uh, when we get a new rig, and, and we try to, you know, we don't have a big community party. We can't afford <laughs> it. But, but I try to make it a big deal to get the city council people from that neighborhood and whatnot to... Right understand and, and actually we've been very fortunate in apparatus replacement and it just worked out that literally like the north end got a rig the east side got a rig the west end got a rig so everybody's got yeah. a little piece of something right. that that we can go to people and say hey look 
you know, Bridgeport, Connecticut's got high taxes, Bridgeport's got higher taxes. But here's an investment, you know, here's right. here's what you got. Right. You know, we're, we're out there doing it, we got good equipment, we're ready, we're, we're here to protect And you involve the community. Yeah. 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 I mean, how, how much better for, for a manager, right, for a boss, to have the support of the community behind them because they're out there supporting the community, the community's gonna support you. Absolutely. That's it, I mean, it's, 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 it's that simple. Yeah. It really yeah. is, and you know, I don't like when the message gets lost, and it, you're right, Chief, you're right, it's good. So, where do, we, where do we wanna go from here? I mean, you're a big apparatus guy, I know that. We've talked about this. Um, so that's I, one thing I wanna ask him, is that was really unique about Bridgeport that I don't see in a lot of places, and you're a major city. There is like straight stick mid-mount ladders, and like I, I've always been like blown away by him because it's like I, the old American of France is what I think. I'm sorry that I just put no, this, I, but, no, yeah. this is good. But like, what? How? How do they get like? Do, like I, I've, I was thought about a tower ladder because I rode on one for a little bit, and uh, but like, how does that straight stick ladder work? And is it like we're really fortunate in the fact that with the four trucks, we our goal is to run two platforms and two sticks. Yeah, not counting the quint. And if you look at a map of the city, basically the lower half of the cities where all the ladder companies are. Only because in the old days that was just farm country in the North End. Now we have a big college up there and whatnot. So so a few years ago they put a quint up there. Right. So just to get a stick up there and there's a yeah. lot of condos and whatnot. But but for the most part we're we're two rear mount aerials and two platforms. We do have one mid mount uh, stick but so again, it's you know you don't have a you don't have a Swiss Army knife filled with corkscrews. You know you have all right. different tools. So the idea of having all platforms or all aerials is is like, if, if you're fortunate enough to have more than one truck company or more than a couple of truck companies, and I think you should have a variety of tools. Yeah. So definitely. so that's how we ended up with that. Well, you know, Tenge is a tight neighborhood. That's yeah. why they get that rear mount stick. Uh, you know, some of the other neighborhoods are a little bigger. Downtown, mm -hmm. Truck 5, which is the busiest truck in the city, which is basically second due for almost every box in the city. They have a mid-mount platform. So, you know, they're running around. I think, it, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, it's so important to understand the differences when you talk about aerials and yeah. how they operate and the, the primary function of them. I mean, typically, you know, and, and I relate that just to like New York City, right? You just look at New York City, the reason why they run straight sticks and they run tower ladders, Tower ladders typically put the fire out. Right. Straight sticks are ease of access, roof access, you know, evacuation and VES and, and that type of stuff, right? And where they're located in a city or strategically placed so that you typically get one and one on the box and then, you know, go from there. Um, I think people... And, and we had a couple of, uh, not to get into manufacturers, so right. we'll say New York City style trucks, right. you know, that weren't climbable tower ladders. Yeah. Right. And, and I think, you know, yeah. for, for the aerial scope, it, it's a tough thing. We had two for a while and then and we had one on truck five and we, and we ran the shit out of that thing and that right. thing put out more fire than... Yeah. But in what we do now, I think a climbable ladder tower, for lack of a better term, is more suited to what we do because everything we can do with the aerial, we can do with that. But everything we can do with that platform, we can't do with an aerial. Right, but you're also running a four-man truck, not a six-man truck. Correct. Right? Correct. So like where your guys are now multitasking versus... You're the roof, you're OV, you're this, yeah. you're that. Right. You might be, you know, so you might have to go up and down that aerial. Or right. that aerial needs to be put in place and then you need to go up it. Right. A lot of times yeah. we end up with as as, you know, some of the people might get on me, but but the driver will end up in the bucket. He won't end up on the turntable. So right. he'll fly the bucket to the roof, 
you know, start doing what he's got to do with the other with the other outside guy, and then end up by leaving the, the bucket where he is and climbing down and going back and forth. Well, four man truck, got to do what you got to do. I mean, you got to make it work. Searches and, and entries be made. Somebody's got to go right. open up. Right, right, right. So, so you know, yeah, I mean, no, it works out. It works out. Yeah, no doubt. Now, so, did the quint come about because you needed to combine an engine and a truck company? Or? Well, there was no truck up there. It was just the engines. Um, that neighborhood had a bunch of like you know in the 80s right so we had all those wood frame cardboard condos getting thrown up and we knew that you know once that rig gets in there to the tower ladder coming from downtown to get up there's everything's going to be blocked out so the chief at the time in the late 90s bought this quint figuring thinking ahead yeah so figuring the engine the guys on that rig can start working as an engine and then if it's through the roof, they can throw the stick and start flowing water. Or when truck five or truck 10 get there, they can just walk up the access way, throw it in PTO and start using it to get to the roof or whatnot instead yeah. of their own truck. Yeah. So now we just got a new Pierce Ascendant up there and we're continuing with that. And you're happy with that? Oh, yeah. 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 I know 10s has the single axle Ascendant, right? Yeah, without and, the pump. Uh, yep, the truck company the version. Yeah. Truck. Yeah, there's and, a lot of neat neat stuff on that rig. And I think that's interesting to talk about real quick, too, because that was partly why Chief Thode invited us up. He knows that we're at yeah. guys, and he said... <laughs> I invited you out to see the Ascendant, and it was out of service. Right, it was yeah. out of service because you guys got hammered with rain... Yes. ...and flooded out your city. Yeah, we lost, uh, we lost four rigs after that storm. That's incredible. Like computers and things like that. Yeah, actually, the old Quint, we never bothered fixing it because the new one was coming. And in thirty years, have you have you ever had the funny thing like was that? no, there were neighborhoods in the city, especially the North End, that flooded. That I again, being you know thirty one years in that city, that I was when when the right. run started coming yeah. in. You know, we always have people trapped in cars under right. viaducts and whatnot. And it's always the same spots and whatnot. Right. And I started hearing the runs, and I'm like. Wait a minute, where? <laughs> yeah. I couldn't believe it. We went up to the, I ended up by going up to the North End just to kind of check it out and, you know, go to a couple of calls. Of course. And got trapped in the North End. I couldn't get back down to the EOC to, to like take over my, you know, command and all that other stuff. So I ran a couple of calls. I ran a gas leak and all this other <laughs> And they're like, wait a minute, who's this? I'm like, God, car one's out, you know. That's awesome. I get the yeah. call. <laughs> what are you doing up there? I'm like, I would be downtown, but I can't, I can't. get it. <laughs> So I might as well be some use. Yeah, that's pretty wild. I remember when we met up with you, you go, you know that Ascendant I wanted to show you? It's not here. Yeah. It's not here. Yeah, we that, went yeah. for a swim. Yeah, we had a couple so. rigs that were out of service. That right. Yeah, good. But that, that, that's a good way to get you back up there, you know? Yeah. Very yeah, proud of that truck. The, the truck committee, uh, uh, Captain Skoog and his guys really did an unbelievable job with that rig. And that, can we talk about that for a city? the size of yourself how do you formulate your purchasing committees uh when it comes to the apparatus until recently it was me as like the line rep uh, tommy hanko or, or whoever from the shop to do okay. the, the shop part and then we would try to grab at least one or two people from the company that rig was going to um and then actually the worst part about me becoming chief is i realized you know i can't I right. can't do that anymore. Right. So uh, I brought on uh, Bill Baraski, who's a lieutenant, and gets he's on the captain's list. He's a, you know, he's a good fireman, so he gets the fire stuff, but he also understands trucks and fabrication and yeah. things like that. So so Billy will take over and he'll be the the line rep. Somebody from the shop will still be the shop rep, and then we'll again wherever the rig is going, we'll grab the. But it's nice that you allow yeah. at least one or two guys from that company to get into the process well the other thing that we did is uh on, on most of the rigs is that we'll put out feelers into that company hey, what do you want to see okay or, or we'll say um 
you know, we're getting a, a pump and it's very similar to engine seven. So go look at engine seven, mess around. It's not going to be exactly the same, but you know, what do you like? What don't you like about that? Yeah. So I think that's, what's interesting. Cause you know, I, I've talked to guys all over the country from cities and a lot of what we get with our apparatus innovations and the things that we talk about on fire apparatus. And I get a lot of feedback from people going, man, that's great, but we don't ever get a say in what we're doing or we don't, we don't management just hands us, you know, we show up to work that day and a new fire engines in the firehouse. Well, the interesting right? thing was how many guys, and this was eye opening to me is how many guys didn't know that you build fire trucks. Yeah. That they literally okay. thought, I heard about you guys going to Wisconsin. We thought you just like went out there to a well, lot. Yeah. And like, you know, I'll take the blue one. And, yeah, and that yeah, was yeah, it. Yeah. And you drove it back. Some and, people, and, wow. Some people well, with, with so many that were out there, <laughs> yeah. you could probably do that. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But, but that helps to keep the membership in tune with the vehicle that they're getting. And they're, they're going to have more pride in that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They were, yeah. But it also goes to form, fit, and function where, you know, this is not a department that has you know, uh, 150 engine companies, right? I mean, they have nine engine companies and each company operates just a little bit differently than maybe the other Well, guy, you know right? what was funny? Like when we did Ladder 10, right? We put out this feeler to the firehouses and we're like, you know, what do you want? And they came back and one of the top things was, and this is going to sound crazy, is USB ports and cup holders. So, of course, myself and a couple other guys were like, you know, what are you kidding me? You know, we're buying a million dollar truck and that's all they can come up with. And then, so I went up there, you know, ready to lay into some yeah. people like really this is the best you can come up with and they were like look you know we're, we're hydrating all the time you know all these new firefighters are all health and fit and when and we're always carrying you know now jeans or whatever that of water yeah carrying a yeti of, of something why can't we just get somewhere to put it right and and you know we go to the new generation with the phones sure. but they're like you know i got the app for you know uh the DLT book, and I got this, and I got right. that. We got all these cell phones, we got all this stuff, and there's nowhere. We're still plugging it into cigarette lighter plugs. Yeah. And then using a converter, why don't we just get US? And I was like, yep. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't argue with that. When my new engine came in, the first thing I said was, where are the cup holders? And guys thought it was crazy. And I go, no, we we didn't. And I was on the committee, and I'm like, we didn't spec them in. And that was the one thing we all missed. Yeah. I was like, man, we really... I would love to have a cup holder, you know, it's just for a bottle of water or right. typically our Sunday morning runs, we stop for a cup of coffee and I'm driving, yeah. I got no place to put it. I always had to put it in a window, so like up on the dashboard, but <laughs> yeah. something minuscule, but like I, I absolutely well, understand other, where you're going. And the other thing like, too is that, that you're, you're particularly in, in my city, is in the old days you got in the rig, you were riding in for two and a half, three minutes to right. the fire, right. and then you came back and now they're in that rig. All for day. hours. It's a mobile office. Yeah. For, right, because yeah. they're literally going from a call to yeah. a smoke detector install to training to back over here to back on the road. So right. there's nothing wrong with a couple creature comforts because they're in that thing for hours. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I agree with you. And, you know, and that goes, I mean, I remember when air conditioning was an option. Right. Right? Yeah. And we're like, yeah, should we get air conditioning? I don't know. It's a big ticket item. Our 57's Fox didn't even have a top on. Well, I get that. But listen, I'm a big fan. You don't have a top on you now, it's not, and that's the, probably why. The, squad, that the, squad, the, the only piece of glass, the, the only piece of glass on the squad was the windshield. Yeah, all the side windows didn't work. The back windows were all smashed out. There wasn't a piece of glass on it, but the windshield. Yeah, and you could see through to the to the road. 
and the air there was no headliner and it was just the air valve we had a key ring through there so the officer would loop his finger through and that's how he would uncle <laughs> right that's cool i remember i mean i remember my uncle my uncle was on the job and he would just they would call machines and he's like yeah it's a machine yeah, Danbury up near me, they, they still call okay, so my, yeah, there, he's, he's, he's a big one on that too. Yeah, yeah. and and but I, I would ask him as a as a kid, like as a buffy kid that grew up in a volunteer fire service with my father and my brothers, and I'm like, well, what kind of fire engine? They're like, what is it? Yeah. He's like, I don't know. He's like, I have no idea. I go to work, it, it gets me out the door and put out the fire. Zero understanding <laughs> or care about like the brand, oh, yeah. the make, the model, why yeah. it's set up that way. They he shows up to work and they tell him this is what he's gotta use. That's what he uses. Right. Adapting. Which right. is hilarious because there's so many people that come across the platform who are so brand loyal to oh, this and that. Yeah. And it's like yeah. it's and then you have this guy who's like, Yeah, it's just a machine. This is the truck I get on and it does a job. And yeah, I'm we, happy with we it. were doing a thing not too long ago. We were talking to an older engineer. It was a very good engineer. And somebody said, you know, well, what kind of rig do you have? Thinking, you know, we're all pierced, so they think they're going to say a dash or a lance or whatnot. And he goes, uh, I don't know, it's a it's a pumper. I right. drive it and you know he, he, and he's a good engineer. He knows where all the valves are, but he didn't even know it was a Pierce, let alone what kind right. of Pierce didn't it was. Care. He just didn't it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just knew it was red, and it starts <laughs> when he starts it, and, and yeah. he takes care of it. Yeah, my, my buddy Roger Dodger over and out. He was a senior man in uh, in the city of Poughkeepsie up until recently when he retired. But he, I remember as a new fireman, I got in the rig, and he's like, "So this is engine one, kid, and you know what it doesn't have? No, what? He's like." Defrosters that blow on the window, so don't ever touch this fan. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that was it. That was it. That was it. That was it. Uh, that's good. So listen, we have been going for over an hour. It's been an hour and fifteen, hour and twenty wow. minutes already, okay. mm-hmm. Chief. So not that I want to cut you short by any means, but yeah. I just want to talk about maybe the future of Bridgeport, the future for you. Um, I know you guys are in the process of uh, testing, hiring. Yeah, yeah we're, uh, we're starting the recruitment efforts right now. Um, Connecticut's open for CPAT till about March 9th. Uh, you have to have your CPAT card to even take the written. Okay. Uh, we'll announce the written in probably April. Uh, we'll give the entrance exam in June and hopefully hire the first class in August. Uh, like we were saying before about replacement, I think we'll probably take, uh, I bet you we hire 80 over the life of the list. 70, wow. 80. And we fired this last list, we hit 74. Wow. Um, so, you know. How many gonna, people did you have on the last list? We had 656 by the time we were done. And we uh, we used, we went through probably like 140 to get to 54. So, so we had a good yeah. amount. But, you know, truth be told, we have residency points. We have uh, right. 15 points for residency. So of the 54, 40 were city residents and 14 were, with, were from out of town. Well, it almost, be, almost gotta, sounds like you should live in the city if you want a job there. You've got to contribute to the city. you got to yeah. contribute to the city. But, uh, but I'll tell you what, you know, like a lot of people would bitch that that, that kind of handcuffs mm-hmm. us. And, and, again, going back to this new generation, knock on wood, I have great new people. Yep. They're excited. Yep. They're really into it. And again, most of them are from the city. They're, uh, one of the guys that's on our recruitment committee now, he's like, I played in this neighborhood. I grew up as a yeah. kid. I remember that wow. firehouse as a little, the same thing that we're talking about here, yeah. but the kid never thought about being a firefighter. And now he's a firefighter and he's like, how cool is this? I get to have that job yep. yeah. and it's in my neighborhood. Yeah. And I love that. You know, and and we, we discount him you know, because he didn't come up like we did. 
and he's now he's that first generation of that and maybe he'll have a son in a couple years and, yeah. and you know it'll it'll replay chief what do you uh for yourself i mean not that like what do you look for in in your new firefighters what do you want to see out of the individual that comes into your department it sounds corny but and i heard this at a seminar a missionary not a mercenary a missionary not a mercenary okay you know the idea of you get a guy you know Bali somewhere. Hey, I'm going to take the test in Bridgeport because, you know, it's a crappy old city and I'm going to go in and, you know. Going to go to work. Yeah, going to go to work. I'm going to bust up shit. You know, yeah, spray water and, you know, spit nails and all that. And then, (laughs) and then on my three days off, I'm going to get in my pickup and drive 60 miles away and that's it. Right. You know, and, and what we're really looking for is, is again, and it sounds corny to say missionary, but but people that get it, people that want to take care of people, people that want to help, they want that self satisfaction. Yeah, they're gonna have fun. They're gonna they're gonna get that excitement of going to some jobs, but they're also gonna get that personal satisfaction of really truly making a difference. Yeah. There's not a lot of jobs. There's not a lot of jobs now where you can really say. I made a difference. You know, I take great pride about when we're driving you guys around oh, and not bragging, saying I caught a job in that place. Yeah, but, I, yeah. but there's nothing better than driving past a house that I remember ripping and it's rebuilt. Yeah, it's and there's, there. you know, and there's people playing or living in it and being like, yeah, that house is a house because of work that I did. There's, there's something to be said for having that community involvement. It makes you, I think, fully invested into the career path. Right, right, and when, you get that in a volunteer department, but it's but you you, but you lose do, it in but, career. But I I think nah, even in the volunteer service, you know, I mean, I look at my department. I mean, you know, we have more guys that live outside of the district than in oh, these okay. days, right? Yeah. And I think it's because just inherently how the fire service works and the makeup of the community or whatever. But I look at it this way: like even people that live in a community, sometimes they don't have that involvement, right? You want people that are vested into making a difference. Right. You want people that. Yeah. want to sign up for the big picture and it's not just jumping on the rig every third day and going to fires it's doing the building inspections it's doing the fire uh you know the smoke alarms and filling up that kid's bicycle tire like yeah that's what builds a culture that's what builds the bridgeport fire department are the guys and, and the women that want to make a difference for the city and to see like you said bridgeport's going through revitalization like I'm sure you have a lot of people on the job there that come from Bridgeport that saw the darker days. Oh, absolutely. And now they see the difference that they might possibly be able to make, or if they make that push a little bit harder, they could save that exposure building, right? Like all those types of things, but that all adds up into the greater good. And I think that's truly what what it means to be a a Bridgeport firefighter. I mean, that's awesome. That's cool. So that's great. And then what's for you? I mean, you got got a bunch of years left in you, man. I mean, I don't know. You know, when we were there, you had a smile the whole time you were there. You met us in the parking lot, came out, and just you know, you're you're not, you're just a you're just a brother, it's, man. It's and fun. It's, it's yeah. fun. It's still fun. I still love going to work. Uh, you know, I'm, it sounds corny, but I love bragging about my department. No, I think it's it's, great. it's it's phenomenal. I you know, not only the the work and the the hard work, you know, that the that the troops do, but but all the good stuff that they do. And again, it sounds PC, but it's, I'm being honest. You know, I, I go to Chiefs conventions and I sit with guys that are, you know, that they hate their department or they hate their union or they hate this, they hate that. And I'm like, I don't really. Yeah. Yeah. That, I'm a former union president and they hear you like not ever once say anything bad about the union. Right? There was a few times where you're like, hey, you know what? The union's got their issue on this. Absolutely. But that's, they're right. They and I was job. like, this is a fire chief. Like he's not 
you know, because I've heard a fire chief say they paid me to be the most hated man in the department. And I'm like, I don't really think that's the attitude you should have to walk it, into that job. But all right. No, it isn't. But, but you know, and, and I think we had this conversation in the car. I yeah. look at it as being being the parent of a teenager. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that I, I lay my head down at night and I know that I did what was right for the troops. Right. And maybe they don't realize it now and maybe they don't like me because of the decision I made. Right. But I know that I didn't do it to be a jerk. I didn't do it because they filed a grievance last week so I'll get them back this week by doing this. I did it for their own good whether they realize it or not. And some people see it right away. Some people never see it. A lot of times people... And I'm the same way. I, a lot of things that happened to me early on I didn't realize yeah. until later yeah. on until I became a, a, a big boy that I got to see it. Yeah. I just love the fact that you still enjoy going to work every day. Yeah. I love that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So many people don't. And and that yeah. just destroys, right? I mean, we always talk from the top down, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're sitting here with a, with the chief of department of Bridgeport, Connecticut, with 300 plus members, almost 400 members. And they're hiring and always constantly changing. And you still enjoy your job every single day. And I think that's fantastic. And I drive to New Jersey to talk about it. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with us, right? right? Like, who the hell are we? Yeah. But, I mean, I, I can't. I can't thank you enough. I mean, yeah. your story is No, this is great. You guys are doing good work. You're we really want to we want to capture more of it, and we want to capture more Bridgeport, so I'm going to invite myself back. Absolutely. Because we, yeah. we want to come back, um, yeah. and so Anytime. on. But um, we can keep going for hours and hours, but yeah, we're going to wrap, good. and yep. uh, and so on. But this is not the end of Chief Thode with National Fire Ready. We'd yeah. love to have you back yeah. um, and love to do some stuff. And we were talking about a couple of your guys, um, and so on. There's a lot of good things coming out yeah. of uh, Bridgeport, and so... Yeah. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for your friendship. Thanks for having us. And uh, yeah. being here and, uh, and so on. But uh, let's wrap it up and uh, we'll call it a night. Maybe, yeah. Maybe we'll tell some more stories off the air. But uh, <laughs> anyway, Rob, take us out, my man. Everybody, this is Rob from National Fire Radio. Slaps on the way out. Yeah. Gotta do it. I mean, it's just. No, we don't. No, we don't. It's <laughs> a nervous tick, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's All right, everybody, it's Rob from National Fire Radio. Here at Jeremy Tucker and Chief Thode for an awesome night here in the studio. We'll catch you guys later. Be safe out there, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Yeah.